0: and welcome. I'm Miriam Knight and my guest today is Deborah Silverman. Now, Deborah is an intriguing mix of part psychologist, part astrologer, and part comedian. Deborah has developed a unique psychological spiritual model combining her expertise in soul-centered astrology and psychology, and she's crafted from them a magical healing combination In private practice for over 38 years, Deborah uses astrology and her own system called the Four Elements as tools to help people step into their power. Her book of the same name describes personality types that are based on the Four Elements, and she reveals in her book how your issues are specific to your personality and will repeat themselves until you arrive at the compassionate vantage point That sees us all as united. Sounds like a book really needed in these times. Welcome, Deborah. Welcome. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm delighted to have you here, particularly at this time of year, because we're all interested in the sort of internal dynamics as well as the external dynamics that are swirling around our planet at the moment. Now, you have this interesting combination of astrologer and psychologist. How did that come about?
1: I'm actually not a psychologist. I'm a am psych- a psychotherapist. I have a master's in clinical psychology. So there's a distinction there. Um, but here's the short answer. So I was in private practice. I was just entering my private practice. I had just finished graduate school and people would come and they would want sessions. Obviously they were coming for therapy. And I'd already been practicing or studying astrology before that. Like I'd been deeply interested and every session I would do, the person sitting in front of me would start complaining, like, this is wrong with them and that's wrong with them. Of course, that's why you go with the therapist, right? Here's what's going on. This is what's difficult. There. And then one day I thought, this is so silly. They're not seeing it from a spiritual angle. They're seeing everything that's wrong from an egocentric place. But from the soul's point of view, all of this is exactly as it should be. It's just the karmic description of how personalities show up. And if I could understand what the karma was, I could reframe the storyline and help them see it from a different angle. And that's where I married astrology and psychology. And they are, you know, best friends because you go to a therapist because you want healing and you go to an astrologer because you want some insight about timing. So you put the two together and it just, they're so friendly.
0: (laughs) You're using the word karma in a very interesting way. How did you, or how do you, See the influence of the planetary alignments on what is actually happening in a person's life or destiny.
1: It's a great question. So first, you all everyone listening has a theme in their life. There's reoccurring themes, and they repeat themselves. It could be anything from how you deal with your money to how you deal with your body to how you deal with your relationships to how you deal with your kids. Like you feel this pattern. And astrologically, it's very clear. If you look at the planet Saturn, or you look at North Node, or you look at the South Node, there are very loud indicators that I teach in my school. And it's so simple to identify what's the repetitive pattern. It's kind of like a ghost. It follows, you can't see it. It follows you around. This is what karma is. And there's a teaching in there for you to get. Now, if you learn the lesson, the karmic pattern becomes a blessing. So for example, if your issue is your body and you keep having these physical symptoms and they keep showing since you were a kid. And then you decide that you're really going to learn about your body and you become super healthy and you learn all the things. And then you start teaching it because you realize, God, my body was so broken. Then the karma turns into Dharma and no longer are you victimized by that symptom, but you can actually teach it and help people.
0: So the issues that we deal with, uh, I have heard many, many people describe them as things that we have to learn. It's like a, a curriculum in uh, University of the Earth um, or University of Incarnation. Uh, who sets this curriculum and are there set answers or are we inventing it as we go along?
1: I love it. I love your question. No wonder you're an interviewer. So um, first of all, there's something called the Akashic Records, which I personally don't have direct experience with. I'm one of those, part of my gift this life is I'm very practical. So I don't endorse or support things that I haven't had a direct experience with. However, having said that, as an astrologer, coupled with the Akashic Records, which I really want to get a good reading, um, As an astrologer, you can look at a chart in no uncertain terms and see who prescribed it. Can I point to the team or the council that set up your chart? No. Can I point to the patterns that have repeated themselves? Yes. And is it as predictable as me being able to say, if you're an Aries, you're bossy, and if you're a Taurus, you're shy? Yes. So the karma is written in the stars. It's determined by if, in fact, there's an Akashic record, a history or a backlog of stories that have occurred beforehand unfortunately we don't consciously recall them but we sure see the symptoms in the reflection of your life so the short version is i have definitely with many astrologers not just deborah silverman broken the code of psychologically identifying is it betrayal is it heartbreak is it financial like where does the repetitive theme and you it doesn't take much to figure it out you can look at your life and go oh my god That's what I keep thinking. And that's, in my school, the second class of level one is being able to assist someone to identify the patterns. So you're asking the biggest, hardest question. Like, this is a very mercurial question you're asking, which is what the second class is about. Who designed this and how does it work? Well, the mind can't come up with concrete answers from the left brain satisfaction of, like, this is how it works. But you can certainly look over at your right brain. And this is what happens in the school, and start identifying what are the themes, what are the patterns, what repeats. And then, just by reflection of evidence that's hard and factual in your own life, you begin to see the correlation like, wow, so I have a hard relationship, someone might say, because Saturn and Venus don't get along. It's as simple as that. And yes, to the second part of your question, are there prescribed ways of healing it? In India, they would say you go pray to Saturn, you go leave offerings. In my system, psychologically, you, become, you uncover the unconscious material that's lurking. This is what Carl Jung, who was an astrologer, it's now known that he was an astrologer, said. You make the unconscious conscious. Any good therapy session, if you leave, you go, wow, I had no idea it was because of that that I was doing this. That makes so much sense. And then awareness comes on. This is basically what my book is all about, how to turn your observer on. You notice the repetitive pattern and then you bless it. You're like, how can I fix this? Well, first things first, stop complaining. (laughs) That's the first step. Second one is start figuring out, and this is what my book's all about. What's the missing element? What am I not doing? So if it's health issues, oh, I'm not taking care of my body. If it's relationship issues, oh, I'm not communicating. There's simple formulas that have been discerned by yours truly after 40 years, The uh, bio said 38 years. It's now 40 years since I've been practicing, and patterns become very obvious.
0: So you talk about the the four elements, the earth, air, fire, and water, that have been uh, seen across so many different traditions. Um, Do we come in as one or more of these elements dominant, and how do they correlate with our Zodiac signs.
1: It's so funny. I wish I had your chart in front of me because you're so displaying air. You're doing such good questions. You've done your homework, obviously. <laughs> um, but that's a sign. So there's a clue. So yes, you came in. You probably came in as a very inquisitive personality type who always goes underneath things. Like you ask questions. Everybody goes, what? Like, well, how'd you get that one? Is that true of you? Nah, uh, Yeah. So that came probably as a young kid. You were the kid that was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have a question. That's the sign of error. Mm-hmm. those are the personality types. They can't make decisions. They have variations on the theme all the time. They're always trying to figure things out. They're reading all the time. They change their minds, They're airheads, but you, yeah. I can tell your voice, you don't just have air. You actually have some earth and that's the part in all of us that likes to get things done and wants to get paid and wants to make sure it's concrete and it's practical and does it grow corn and how much does it cost? And so yes, people's personalities and the propensities show up at a very young age. And with the missing part, and this is why the book's called The Missing Element, is we don't know how to balance the, the story. So we're all a little awkward. Like, we stick to the comfort zone, of course. It's so natural for you to ask questions. But when it comes time for you to stick your foot in your mouth or be blunt and honest or really upright, what's your birthday, by the way? I don't even know. What sign are you? Leo. Oh, there you go. So you have, <laughs> so you have the courage to end your fire. You have the courage to ask the questions and then to be our example and give us permission to say, ask the question, don't hold back.
0: <laughs> so um, here we are at a time of everyone, well, everyone is trying to understand things. So many things are coming to the surface now. I mean, whether it is the um, the elections, this kind of um, social uprising of not wanting to have same old, same old, or whether it's women starting to speak out and to claim their power. Um, are there greater patterns of the same kind that overlay society at this time? totally
1: totally totally so we just literally this is 2017 and as we enter 2018 we're in a major shift the last month you're going to love this the last month jupiter just entered scorpio for the first time in 12 years jupiter is imagine this 300 times the size of earth so i want you to think it's got 17 16 moons going around jupiter it's giant and it rules expansion And it's in the sign of Scorpio, which is sexuality and intensity and psychology and the emotional body. It's a very deep sign. Hmm. And right when it happened, out came this outrage of women saying, me too, me too, me too. Jupiter, the planet of expansion in the sign of sexuality and abuse, is now publicly come out. It's fascinating. So there is one symbol or indicator, archetypical indicator, that the collective shifted as far as the planets were concerned, mm-hmm. it showed up in our culture. And now everywhere you hear, every day, I, the thing about Charlie Rose really hurt my feelings. Like, don't say it was him too. <laughs> you know, I know. It was, it was, that was so disturbing. But it is so disturbing. Jupiter, the planet of expansion, and the sign of Scorpio, the disturber, the one that wants to speak about the things under the system, the, the, the secrets. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. In December of 2017, for the next two and a half years through 2020, 21, there's going to be Saturn for the first time in 30 years entering Capricorn. So we can predict as a collective that Saturn rules, challenges, life lessons. It's kind of like the grumpy planet, opposite Jupiter. Jupiter's ho, 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 expansion and fun, and fat. It's very loud, which is why it's getting so loud, the Me Too movement, which I love. Saturn's quite the opposite it's, it's constricted and it's contracted and it's um, conservative and it's old and serious so saturn the planet of seriousness changes every two and a half years and in december it will change into capricorn so the last two and a half years it was in fire which is why our government got fed up things got burnt we were like we're just telling the truth and the truth is we're sick of the business as usual we're going to have an election that's politically incorrect we're going to have a, a you know a president who's politically incorrect, whatever your politics are, he's completely playing out the role of Saturn and Sag, which was what occurred over the last two years. Now it's going to enter Capricorn, which is now the constriction or that old feeling, that stuffy feeling of Saturn is going to be in the government. And it's going to demand that we revisit and examine how we're running our structures, our institutions, from banking to schooling to the government structures. And it's going to be a little scary. My prediction is, it's it's going to break down. We're not going you know, at the moment, if things feel business as usual and everything's good, but in the next, by the next two years, we're going to watch the government structure start to break. So everything from the VAs to Medicare to insurance to how we're going to deal with the pollution and the environment and the Planned Parenthood, all those forms that we've counted on are being challenged, which is going to wake us up through discomfort. Welcome to planet Earth. We never wake up through a memo. I always wish there was like an <laughs> email that came. No.
0: <laughs> well, that is both encouraging and um, scary. somewhat scary. Yeah. But it makes sense because as long as we sit back satisfied, um Change is scary. So if it's not too uncomfortable, we're happier going with the status quo than uh, moving ahead. So the fractioning of the institutions, the the crumbling walls of the status quo are necessary for us to make progress. I guess the question is, um, what form... Is the change likely to take? Is it going to be progressive or regressive? Or will it be regressive first and then eventually progressive? What's your sense?
1: Of course, of course. We go three steps backwards, two steps forwards. That's just the nature of the beast. Think about your life. And every time you've had a crisis, which is predictable in astrology, I can definitely give you dates when that will happen. Every time you have a crisis, you wake up and you either re- you know calibrate and change everything, rewrite everything, or you become a victim. And if you become a victim to the story, it doesn't go away, and you start complaining, and you know what he did to me, and it never, I can't believe it, and I'm never getting married again, and oh, my God, I hear my feeling. Or that business partner was horrible, I'm never partnering again, and I'm not even going to go and decide I'm going to be a librarian and leave everybody go <laughs> be quiet in a little room. You know, people do these funny things because they take on the wound. So, yeah, is it, is it going to be progressive or regressive? Well, you get regressive in the name of waking up, and then you have a decision to make. Mm-hmm. So as a collective, I'm a little concerned, to be perfectly honest. I don't I don't feel, the only thing that gives me optimism, it's funny because we're heading here around Thanksgiving um, and I'm with my children, is I see the millennials. And I'm so in- excited and so impressed. I'm like, these guys have at least the honesty of being real and being honest enough to say, this doesn't work. I don't like it. You know, we pretended, I pretended growing up.
0: This reminds me of, um, a small example. My mother used to smoke and I always hated the smell. And so I never smoked. So it's almost like, uh, the older generation is being the example of what not to do so that the younger generation can make wiser choices.
1: Yes. So funny. We watched our moms and dads smoke and then we were like, I'll never smoke and then these new kids came in and now marijuana's legal. And I'm like, what does that smell? I was just in California this week and I was like, That this is crazy. this is a great example of the evolution. Is it regression? Is it progression? Is it great? Is it bad? Is it we can't the whole point of the exercise of evolution is evolution occurs regardless of whether or not we like it. There is a natural compulsion to grow and move. So the good news is We aren't stagnant. There is movement occurring. Going backwards, going forwards, that's the mystery. And will the species actually endure? Will we be able to um, take the planet to the next level where we can see evolution around peace and love and kindness and parenting and education? I don't know. At this moment, it is very rocky. And I'm the first one to say the only thing to do about the danger or the fear is to open up your heart and enjoy the moment and do your best to ask this question. How can I serve? If everybody woke up every morning and said like what you're doing, like what's the hard questions and who can I talk to and how can I share? We would be further ahead. just be very careful about taking and make sure you give, get up, you guys get up. It's so easy to get stuck in the computer and get stuck in the internet and get stuck in the cyberspace. And you think that's real. But what's real is touching hands and having cold water on your face and <clears throat> tasting the wine. And that, this is where reality begins. So be very careful that the, the complacency of complaining, which is what we're all doing, and worrying is not action. Action is, I'm going to find a positive note in my song. Whether it's, what a beautiful day, or, oh my God, I'm so happy to be with you. Like Just turn up the positive energies. all I
0: suggest. I think that's a very profound comment, Deborah, because we really spend so much time either listening to people arguing or complaining or doing it ourselves. And finding that core of wisdom that says, this is right action, this is what I can do to make the world better, um, is so needed at this time. And this, I think, is where we see uh, a shift among the millennials. I think they are um, much more oriented toward taking action. Um, that said, there are probably a lot of kids sleeping in their ba- parents' basement high on marijuana. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, Actually, marijuana is, is an interesting model. Because it has both the element of zoning out and also the element of healing. You know, whether it's recreational or or medical. I mean, there's a school of thought that says all marijuana use is self-medication. Um, <laughs> that it's the only sensible reaction in crazy times. But finding the gift in any situation, in any um, substance, in any company, uh, is our challenge. So let's get back to your four elements. Um, How do you map them onto people?
1: So I think it's related, actually. The two conversations are related.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: The the whole trick to um, the millennials and why I have this platform called the starcommunity.com. and there's um, all the, I'm, I'm actually aiming it straight at the millennials because the millennials to their credit have given up on our society as we know it, as far as religion and as far as society's promises to them. So they're opening up and they are interested in this conversation. You just asked about the elements they're interested in astrology. They have way bigger open minds than we do. And I want to say that, um, The elemental conversation, why it's so important is, as you've mentioned, this is the oldest foundation in our society on this planet. I would go past our society all the way back to Egypt, where the four elements, the four directions on the tarot card, they have four elements sitting on the magician's table. That is the the magician card in the tarot deck, water, air, earth, and fire. And that is the essence of magic on this planet. If you can learn how to play the game of alchemy, and the millennials have such an interest in this. which is why I love working with them. They're, they're so open-minded for some reason. Because when we grew up, we were told to be normal, whatever that was. I always say it's a setting on the dryer. Like, that's it. <laughs> I don't even know what it means. But we were all trying to be homogenized and act normal and follow an order. The, the millennials are like, no, not even closely interested. So they now are returning some of the old basic value systems. And one of them is this elemental conversation. Who are you and what is the nature of your personality type? And how do you make a difference on the planet? You just really get away from normal. That was easy. And then you find out what's your nature and what's the best way that you can produce results and generosity and compassion by you being you. So for some of you, if we do the elements, for some of you that are water, you don't want to be around people. You're just quite content to be in your room watching videos or listening to radio or you just, people are bugging you. That's okay. You're the meditators. You're the calm people. You love to, you know, the kitten and the cat and the dog and the, the lovely um, kids down the neighbors and, and maybe your grandmother. And maybe there's a couple people in your house you like maybe <laughs> they're, they're the reclusive people, you know, they just, people bug them. Uh huh. And those people need permission in the name of the future to be allowed to sit. As long as they're not drinking too much, because they do escape, as long as they're not drinking too much or they're not eating too much or they're not escaping into like pretend land and they're actually participating with this world, their gift is the calm. They love to cook. They love to play house. They love to be in the comfort zone. They just don't like when things are surprising. They want calm. mm mm-hmm. Then there's the air people, and these are the people that are that we talked about earlier. They love to think, and they love to talk, and they have a million ideas, and they're so curious, and they love to read, and they've got three books on the go, they've got them in their backpack, and they carry them just in case. I don't know. They just love having stuff around to keep their mind entertained. And their function is to be listening to podcasts and sharing information and going online. That's their promise, that they would be the communicators. And good for them. And then their promise is to take the the inquisitive curiosity to others and be the teachers and break things down. That's one of my gifts is error. And forget where you put your purse, you're an airhead, like my poor kid. (laughs) Where's my purse? But I can remember what I just read last night, which was about the karmic complexities of astrology and evolution. I mean, that made me interested on the airplane. (laughs) Um, Then there's the earth people. And you guys are here to organize, clean, systemize, make sure everything's on time. and We're all getting to work and we're all making sure everything is done properly. Now, this is not the funnest category, but boy, we need you. Trains are on time, airplanes are on time, money's being done, taxes are being done, spreadsheets, all the technical world of practicality is yours. And your function in these later days is to really keep track of and ask the questions of, how are we going to sustain? Like, what can I do here to make this planet more sustainable? Such a great question. I'm going on Thanksgiving this year off to a off the grid piece of property where we're eating all the food they grow. They just got their first refrigerator, refrigerator um, in the, after living there for three years because everything they ate was fresh and current. And there's like a whole bunch of them living. I can't wait to see it. So this is called earth and creating a new earth, which is not dependent on the old system. That's what your promise is researching and learning how to not get distracted by money, but how do we share that's all in my book. and the earth chapter, it's my favorite of a story of a couple who have a company where they support all their employees by giving them homes and education, and they pay for their kids to go to university, and their employees have stayed with them for 60 years because this business is run by a family. That's, mm-hmm. the, new, that's the new earth we share. And then the last category is fire, and these are the people that have to tell the truth. My God. They are physical, they're athletic, they're doing hot yoga, they're jumping off cliffs, they want to go on trips, they want to tell the truth, they're excited. And they can't help themselves, they're just juju, they're like chi machines. And they promised in this lifetime that they would ask the hard questions and keep us alert. And so they get in trouble. They stick their foot in their mouth, they can't be set quiet, they don't sit still, they're a little edgy. And their promise was they would keep us awake. So these four elements are all in your personality. In the perfect world, by the way, you'd have all four of them. In differing combinations, presumably. Exactly. You'd have mm-hmm. all four in balance. Mm-hmm. You would not have one missing. You wouldn't say, Oh, I hate being alone and being quiet, water, or oh I hate talking and communicating air, I don't want to think about money, earth, or I'm not I don't have any energy.
0: So can you cultivate your missing element? Absolutely. And that is the whole point of the book.
1: (laughs) You grow your missing element and people, I swear to you, people's lives change. Like I say, sometimes I'll say to somebody, listen, do me a favor. I just want you to clean out your car, clean out the closet and call me back. And they're like, Oh my God, I feel so different. It's so simple. That's earth. Or I'll say to somebody, listen, you know what I want you to do? I want you to go to a Starbucks and you're just going to talk to the person sitting next. Pretend you're interested. Just pretend. <laughs> ask them questions. Be curious. And then ask for their phone number when you're done and see if you can make a new friend. And they're like, no. I'm like, yes. You, you take the missing element that you hate doing and you fix it. And the next thing
0: you know, it's amazing. Do you find a lot of resistance on this? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: yes. I mean, we never want to do the thing that's hard. I don't know. We're lazy by nature. Come on. Let's be honest. Humans, we have this thing called gravity and we keep getting fat and old. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. You know, everything goes down as you get older and all of a sudden you're too tired to get up and I'm not going to jump on that trampoline. I was just on a trampoline recently and my kids were like, you're not. I was like, yeah, I'm in my sixties. I don't care. But that's how I've stayed young, because I know I don't really want to jump on the trampoline. I don't want to jump in the cold water. I don't want to go. But you've got to keep moving. And yes, yes, we are lazy. We resist change.
0: And we get fat and old. <laughs> it's kind of like what Mae West said, that she has everything that she had 20 years ago. It's just all a bit lower. Exactly. Gravity has done her thing to us. You know, I'm not complaining,
1: because I, I'm actually surprised at the wisdom of non-attachment that's occurred as I've aged. Like, I really don't care. You know, I, I used to care so much what people think. And then I realized not only are they not thinking, but they're certainly not thinking about me.
0: <laughs> that really is one of the biggest gifts of aging. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah.
1: So the basic story here is we're trying to get people inspired. That's what you and I are doing. Like if you know you're lazy and we all are, and you eat too much at Thanksgiving at Christmas and you find yourself wishing that you could fit into that bathing suit, so do something, but it takes discipline and we can't get disciplined because discipline for me is the word disciple. And so if you have a relationship with God and you're a disciple of a master or whatever that might be, it could be love. It could be Christ. It could be Buddha. I don't care. It, you know, Jewish, Name your name, your religion. But if you don't have a relationship with God or spirit, you won't have discipline. And if you don't have discipline, it's really hard to get motivated to do anything. And that's what we're suffering from.
0: That's kind of the role of elders and religion in general, is to impose an external discipline on an intrinsically unruly mob. <laughs> an intrinsically, say that again? unruly mob. That's interesting.
1: That's the role of religion. Well, that's funny because um, Freud called the unconscious a, a cauldron of seething excitations. Like the nature of the beast is that we have these ridiculous emotions stirring under the system that no one knows how to handle. And that's the role of astrology and psychology is making your unconscious conscious. And then being able to name it without judging it. And then being able to figure out what you left out and where gravity took over as in being lazy or tired or disappointed or broken or karmically spent. And then you reactivate it. And that's part of my gift of the school. The thing that I love the most about that I have a school that starts in February, we open cart in January, twice a year, January and September. The a school of astrology. Yeah. It's a, it's a six week class, an hour and a half, once a week. And you're sitting in a room with just 10 people And your chart comes, and you're on a screen with a mentor that I've trained who's looked, me? her and I looked at your chart. We're all prepared. And on the screen comes your chart. And then next thing you know, the the teacher's teaching you in bite-sized bits, very small. I teach like in fourth grade, like you don't have to know a thing about astrology. By the end of the six weeks, you're like, I feel like a drug dealer. You're totally addicted. You're like, I can't believe it now. And so that's where I get to watch people. I start fires under their seat. like And there are so many older women. Like I can't believe it. my, my um, demographic or my avatar, they call it in marketing, is between 45 and 75. Those are the women that come to work with me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they take the school and they can't believe that they suddenly get excited again. Like their
0: juju comes back. It's like... Um the once and future King where um, the wizard Merlin tells King Arthur that the best thing for being bored is to learn something, learn why the world wags and what wags it.
1: I love that. Learn why the world wags. I love your one-liners.
0: So it must've been interesting for you to, as a psych, as a psychotherapist <laughs> um, to, kind of insert, slyly insert, astrology into the mix. How did that develop?
1: It's a great question. Because I got resistance. I was in graduate school. I was studying astrology as a kid. And um, by the time I was 20, I was doing readings. And then I went to graduate school. And at first, it was great resistance. Like, you know, still, it's still a great, very few psychotherapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, although there's a great, book oh my god cosmos and psyche do you know about that book nope richard tarnas oh my god he's a psychiatrist and he worked with stan groff and they used astrology as their doorway it's a fascinating book god there are some groundbreaking information coming out but when i started back in the 80s i was unpopular as far as my ideas you can imagine i was ahead of my time and um but it didn't stop me. <laughs> I have a little bit of fire in me, as you can probably tell. <laughs> and I basically, the combination of the two are such perfect fits. And what I did in graduate school, you're going to love this story. So I worked in Los Angeles in a place called Beverly Wood. And I used to answer the phone Beverly Wood be sane if she didn't live here. It was, a mess. <laughs> it, was a, it was a halfway house. And Beverly Wood gave me access to all these patients that were outpatients. And they came and had to live there, so they became. it's kind of like they were, it was a halfway house. And I did all the charts of so many mental health um, victims, I would like to say. And I found this huge correlation that I used in graduate school about what was going on in their charts, what was going on astrologically, and without a question, there was an indicator, just as I started the session, our interview today, that had to do with Uranus, a planet that rules non-traditional, unique thinking, that we call crazy, that astrology calls brilliant. And of course, there's a thin line between the two. Mm -hmm. That was how I introduced it. I started doing the research and I just kept on, I I was obsessed with all the people sessions that I did and what was the relationship between these planets and their psychology. And here it is, fast forward 40 years later, can't believe it. And um, they are best friends. But yeah, I had resistance to start with. And A non-traditional approach certainly wasn't welcomed ever. You always have to bump into something when you bring something new, but it never stopped me.
0: Well, I'm glad it, it, uh, I, I have a master's in psychology as well. And I left psychology because I looked around and I said, I don't want to be associated with these people. Anyway, that's uh. exactly
1: right. That's so funny you said that. I remember graduating from graduate school the last day and looking around the room, and there was you know a huge graduating class, and thinking, "There's not one person in this room I would tell my problems to." <laughs> and that's when I realized that um, there was one guy that I really liked. Who, yeah, it was brilliant. But that's when I realized that spirituality wasn't in psychology, and that psychology without spirituality, without the karma, without the deeper quest, I must. You know, I sometimes I think back and I think. You know, I learned astrology at the sweet age of, I started probably when I was about 14. And then I got my first teacher when I was 20. And um, and I wonder, like, how did it come to me with so much conviction? Like, I was one of those, I would have been like an idiot of savant. Like, I, I learned it so quickly and with so much passion. Mm-hmm. God, I was obsessed. And that book, The Missing Element, took me, honestly, it's a piece of, very deep, profound work that both the school and the book, because it took me so, I've spent so many years doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again.
0: I would venture to say that the missing element in just about any walk of life is spirituality. I mean, when, when we look at what's happening on the global scene, on the social scene, values are lacking, the the connection to a greater authority, uh, answerability to a greater, a higher authority. It seems to be uh, really tearing our society apart. But as we said earlier, it has to be torn apart before we can rebuild it. Yeah, I don't
1: know who made that up, but I'd sure
0: like to talk to that person.
1: Like, why are we learning from mistakes? Honestly, we could have gotten a memo or... We could have an organic evolution that occurs
0: through ease, like. Yeah, we don't do easy, as a species. So let's get back to your star community. Tell me about uh, your hopes so for fun. that group. It's
1: so much fun! So, so every month it's twenty-two dollars a month, and every month you get the full moon video, a new moon video. Where is the Mercury retrograde happening? You get a montage where I do these creative, I'm having so much fun producing these creative videos to describe that sign of the month. You get an interview with the likes of Shailene Woodley is the next interview that we just put out. She's a famous actress or someone like Chris, Christian Northrup, who we did for Virgo, who's a, you probably know the doctor. She was a woman's doctor. We've, we've found some fascinating people to interview. So there's a full moon, new moon the placement of a month at a glance, an interview and a video, and then a conversation with the community. So people are together in one spot describing what's going on. And it's fascinating. And it's just, you can go on, just, it's com.
0: So is this for astrologers and training?
1: It's for advanced and beginners. You really, it's just anyone that wants to keep track of what's the rhythm right now. Like what's the, what's, it's kind of like a weather report based on the stars. Mm-hmm. Miriam Knight, you could come too. Welcome to our star community.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you. So what do you see um, as the most useful uh, action that we could take individually to kind of arm ourselves for the time ahead?
1: What could you do? Um, The first thing I would do is I would, you know, this is the old Greek proverb, know thyself. The first Mm -hmm. thing you have to do is get really honest with yourself and say, here's my karma. Here's where I got stuck. Here's where I'm judging myself. Here's," And that's where the book comes in, The Missing Element. You can certainly get that on Amazon. Or that's where you go work with your therapist or your favorite doorway. I mean, there's a million ways to get to know yourself. So... That would be the first thing I would do. Then once you get clear on what your natural rhythm is or what your strengths are, where you're comfortable, you turn the volume up. We can't, the problem on the planet right now is there's so much lethargy and complacency and that's why we're having to use anger. We're having to use a political disruption to get us motivated because we fell asleep for the last eight years in America. We got comfortable.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So we got, we're awake now. So now when you're awake, what are you going to do? Are you going to communicate to people and ask questions and be the provocateur error? Are you going to be the meditator and go learn about yoga and going inside water? Are you going to clean up and share your earthly pleasures earth and start learning how to give in a way that gives back to you? So you're not sacrificing, you're working too much and complaining, but you're actually really helping somebody. Or are you going to be inspirational fire and get us to really get excited and take us outside and give us invitations. I, I, I live part-time, as you know, in Hawaii. And I'm always inviting people here and saying, look, that's the ocean. Jump in. <laughs> don't, don't just look at it. Come with me. Let's go have a life experience. That's fire. you so, got to ask them. What's your, where, where do you want to... Listen, the short answer is, how can I help? You wake up every morning and say, what can I do today to help? Some people, it's just smiling at the, the cutest little person across the seat from you.
0: Well, as a strategy, are you better off... Um, working on your strengths and building them even higher or uh, going for balance?
1: Well, you, you have to start with your strengths. Here's the short answer. You can't tell someone who talks all the time to stop talking. You know, you should really learn how to be quiet. Like, good luck with that. You can't tell the fire person who bumps into things, eats too much, and is really loud and can't help themselves but gets pissy. You should tone down. It's just not nice. So you find out your natural rhythm first. Then you discover what your missing element is, and you put it in there. It's like a formula, like a little recipe. And then you get yourself into this question, how can I be of service?
0: So your missing element, um, you could see it as kind of putting a shim under a wobbly table, right? <laughs> so, okay. It's a great way to put it. Yeah. Perfect. So you're giving yourself a stronger foundation to do your thing better. Exactly. You got it. Hmm. Yeah. Kind of
1: simple. Strengthen the base note, find out what you do best, strengthen it, get the foundation settled. And then like, you know, there's so many variations on this. Some of you are readers and you love to read. That's wonderful. Underline the material, read it to somebody else, share it. Don't keep it all for yourself. Some of you are great at cleaning and organizing. Go help someone at, at Thanksgiving. Be If you're the first one to jump up to clean, then do it and enjoy it. And don't complain. If it's the middle of the summer and it's your turn to say to everybody, we're going to the beach and you're the fire person that goes, everybody in the car, do it. But make sure that you pay respectful attention to the ones that say, you know what, you're getting a little too fast. You're being a little too bossy. Can you wait for me? And then you go, sure, sorry. I just mm-hmm. got excited. You have, we have to know how to manage our own personalities in an honorable way, because essentially the bottom note here is there's seven and a half billion people. If we're not getting along, which we aren't, and we don't know how to deal with people across the table that don't match us. You know, when you sit in an airplane, I just watched that yesterday. I know the guy sitting next to me and my sons were like, like, oh my God, we, you know, we were laughing too much. It's annoying. <laughs> and I wanted to say to him, and I did in the end with my eyes, I looked him straight in his head, and I stayed in his eyes for the longest time. And I just thought to myself, it's okay. Cause I could feel he was irritated,
0: mm-hmm. but you know,
1: it's, that's what we do to each other all day long. We, we criticize and judge. Like it's like
0: a disease. The tagline on your book is about compassion and, I forget who it was. It was some very well-known figure. Sting. Who who on his deathbed.
1: What was that guy's name? Oh, who on his deathbed? Sorry.
0: Yeah. Said, just "Just think we should be more compassionate. Or No, kindness, maybe.
1: Yeah. Well, that's funny because on the front of my book is Sting. And Sting is my um, dear friend. So when people say he's the famous person associated with me, I always think it's Sting. Um, the dead person, the person that was dying that said yes. I think that might have been that wonderful guy. Was his name Randy that did that speech? Here's the deal. Evolution is all we talked about today. We're just about done here. I can feel it. Evolution is all we're talking about. How are you going to produce the results for the species, let alone your own karma? If you want to know, first of all, let's talk about you first because it's all about our ego. If you want to have a lifetime the next time around, because you don't get off this karmic wheel until you're done. And you wanted to come in with your best, best love and your best, best kids and your best, best life. Invest in it. Now practice compassion and evolution, and you will inherit the fruits of that work. If you don't really care about your future life and you're a little sleepy, you'll sleep. And next lifetime you'll sleep. And then eventually you're going to want to get up because it gets tiring to be sleepy all the time.
0: <laughs> it does. It does. well, you know, I, I think you're quite right that we are ca- wrapping up this interview. And I just wanted to know if you have a kind of a message to leave our listeners with, for, especially as we come into the holiday season.
1: You know, nothing matters more than your own self reflection and the kindness that you see in the mirror. If you can practice that, gratitude, being thankful for all things. My good friend said, you know why we live forever? Because it takes that long to say thank you. So if you can just learn to say thank you for no matter what you're handed, once that uplifted, I just think of the Dalai Lama. His whole country has been totally destroyed. He'll never go home. 5,000 years of a religion. He never gets to go back to his temples. And he's got the best sense of humor. He expresses compassion all day and he's evolved. Mm-hmm. That's the exercise here. So so put in your heart of hearts this holiday season, or that whenever you listen to this interview, the prayer of self-reflection from the eyes of God or the eyes of love. Like I do love. I do love creation. I do love. It's easier to love the tree and the sunset than it is to love the reflection in the mirror. So if you want to start with that, I do love this planet. And then go to the kids. I do love the kids. There's there's a future here to be considered. And then ultimately, and the most powerful is I do love who I am. My soul will not leave me for all of time. There is no divorce in heaven. You're stuck with you. So you may as well get to know you and fall in love. And as soon as that happens, you've evolved a species. You've done your job. It's that simple. And that's what's so important.
0: I think that's the biggest challenge for many of us is loving ourselves and wow. wonderful advice. Uh, Deborah. how can people find you on the web?
1: Deborah silver minister, D E B R A Deborah silver That's one spot. Mm-hmm. And the other is the star community.com. And the school is every twice a year starting again in February, but we'll open the um, doors in January. So if you're interested in studying, it's a six week class. It's a one-off class. Please feel free. We have quite a few mentors that are well trained, and we'd love nothing more than to help you fall in love with you.
0: <laughs> Excellent, Deborah. It's been a delight having you on the show.
1: Yeah, you too. That was great questions. Thank you,
0: Deborah Silverman, author of The Missing Element: Inspiring Compassion for the Human Condition. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Miriam Light. Goodbye. <laughs>